Here we are, episode 15 of Built for Better. Today I've got Jake Smith back in for second time. The yeah, how long ago was the first one? It was one of your first ones, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one of the first. Uh, so if you want to know more about his racing career, jump back and listen to that. But today we're just going to have a bit more free-flying chat before we get started. Roll the intro. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more wasted energy spinning the pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door, but time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude, but this scene ain't for me. Like your mom's seeing your nudes. Like a place is a Oh, mate, we're in uh, crazy times at the moment, eh? It's really unprecedented time, really. So it's nice to be sitting back having a beer with you, though, to be honest. What's your. T- Ironic, we're drinking a Corona yeah, <laughs> during the coronavirus. Got to it, mate. Someone said Corona sales are down by like sixty percent since the virus. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, someone's got to support it. What's the uh, take on the whole situation? Obviously, your business is probably grown, if anything, from it. It has at the moment, especially because um, you know Mindtech, the company that we work, most of our work does. Um, they were importing a lot of stuff from China, and obviously, it hit China early, so. Our business at the moment has been going, you know, flat out. And even right now, we're still, I mean, trying to do the best you can as far as, you know, health for all your workers and everything and doing the distancing and all that sort of stuff. But we're still flat out. And I guess until we get told we can't, then um, we'll just do the best we can and see what happens, I guess. Do you reckon after all this, they'll... um take a bit better of a look and maybe get some more stuff you know made here in Australian soil or? oh mate I honestly don't know but from reckon what the I, price difference would be crazy different yeah they work for like five bucks an hour but then like transport and stuff it's interesting it depends what happens with all the air freight and all the um, what what freight costs are but would they air freight most of the stuff that you do or depends boat? how depends how urgent it is and they can air freight stuff so if anything is labour intensive we can't compete even when they pay for freight. So they can build something in China and air freight it to Australia cheaper than what we can make it in condo and deliver it to Sydney. Like it's just mind-blowing. And who knows what's going to happen now, I guess, whether they're going to be working for cheaper over there or, you know, like I heard the other day that China's back to like 80% production already. So they've got it sorted and then they're going to have the run of the global market pretty much. So... I wonder how long it'll be before we start accepting, you know, goods from China again. Who knows, eh? It's so, like, it's just the unknown. So I guess you just day by day, really. You just got to keep going as hard as you can for as long as you can until you can't. And then everyone's similar in the same boat. But, um, yeah, it's it's scary time, especially as business owners. And look, like, look at yourself. You know, you, you get told to shut the doors. You got to shut. Bang, done. So, like, for us, I mean... Every day, guys have got annual leave and all that kind of stuff, but we can't support wages beyond blokes leave, you know? Like, we've sort of got to try and look after jobs when they come back, if they come back, whatever happens. So, it's, yeah, it's, I know, it's crazy. Eh? It's just no one knows, never been through it before, so you just ride it out, eh? Yeah, that's it. Um, I know a few of the guys that have been to rural movement camps, like, in a hell of a lot of, you know, rent um what? sorry their rent's really expensive yeah like i'm very lucky here oh imagine that you know, say you're living in bondi and you're paying 800 bucks a week rent 
and then you've got a business where you're paying rent as well, and then you get canned. Like, how do you how do you have that? People, like, there'd be majority of Australians that live week to week, or you know, like, can got a couple of weeks up their sleeve, and that's about it. Especially with rent and mortgages and that. So, and then I looked into the mortgage thing. You know, you can cancel your mortgage for six months, but then they still add the interest interest on top and then they put that on top of what you owe and then you've got to pay it back in the same amount of yeah, time yeah i rang up to cancel my home repayments and they were saying like your payments when you start back up will be expensive like more than what they are now yeah because of the interest doesn't stop no nah, so it's like what's the catch you know, 22 kind of percent i mean if you're forced to do it then you just deal with it when you go back to work but who knows like it's six months though but we might not be back at work in six months like oh. you never know that's like my honest view is like I don't know what it it's it's like both sides because obviously the economy is going to be struggling as it is but I mean if they they go into what they call lockdown then they shut everyone down but just supermarkets and hospitals and you, like the super essentials and you know you'd like to think within four weeks they'd have it fairly well under wraps and then you know reintroduce people to go back to work then it's probably the best way like I mean, if we go on like this for three or four months and then they go, it's not getting any better or whatever, you know, and then we've got to lock down, you know, I think everyone's of the same opinion. Let's just get it done now and try and get back to some normality, I suppose. Yeah, 100. Don't really know what the thought pattern is behind it, but like pubs, clubs, movie cinemas and gyms were kind of like the first lot to go and then the second lot, like there's beauticians and a few other bits and pieces, but then there's still like hairdressers and... You know, you can still go get a coffee and then people are taking their coffee to the park and it's... Yeah. I you know, mean, I get a little bit more filthy as we go on because it's kind of... Every, you know, person that's not really taking it serious is just longer that my business isn't going to be open. Yeah, 100%. And that's what, I mean... Gen, like, the general thing around town, I guess, that everyone's sort of doing the right thing. But, I mean... what Like, it's just... Just make it happen, eh? I mean, I guess the government's got to roll it out in stages. Like... Imagine if they put a press release out, you know, today and said, all right, everyone's going into lockdown tomorrow night. You just, like, in the city, you'd be bombarded in the shops. You wouldn't be able to get anything. Like, yeah. you can't now. Like, everyone's doomsday already. You what know? about shamans? It's unbelievable. Oh, it blows my mind, mate. Like, the other day, um, when they were talking about this no toilet paper thing, like, obviously, we just live normally. You go and buy it when you need it. And yeah, yeah. Like, there's, there's no toilet paper in shamans, or there's not going to be. I had to go to the shop and get some stuff and I walked and there was dead set like five rolls of like five packets of toilet paper on the shelf I was like this is fucking ridiculous you must have been there at a lucky time oh this was a couple of weeks ago every time I've been there there's just nothing yeah. I always just go down there for a look because it's fucking oh. gold but like if it like if worse comes to if we go full doomsday wiping your ass with paper is the last thing you need when you need your feet like there's still plenty of running water like yeah it's yeah 100 not, the the toilet paper is the least of your worries but yeah I know it's crazy isn't it everyone just goes mad and that's like the flow on effect so I mean it happens in the cities and everyone thinks that it's going to shut down and then there's no toilet paper and then every day people like us go well we don't have any toilet paper left we better go buy some and that's how it flows on and then the next minute there's none left like, I'm pretty sure you got to put your name on a list at Shaman's like to get in the get in the queue kind of thing that's sort to of get the, some. to get some yeah oh, I just said to Rhiannon the other day, let's just go buy a couple of newspapers. Like, worst comes to worst. Like, but with a bit of newspaper, it won't be that bad. You'll get a long way out of one newspaper. But we'll see what happens. Uh, very good. And a lot's been happening since your last chat. 
Yeah, it has. I guess. Congratulations, fatherhood. How's that going? Yeah, mate, that's a shock to the system, isn't it? And an eye opener. Like, I was. It was um, probably. I don't know. It was one of the maddest things I've ever seen in my life. All the dads that have seen it, I guess, and all the people that have been through it know what it's like, and the people that haven't have got no idea until they do see it. You can't but be prepared for it, eh? No way, man. Like, Rhiannon went into labour, early labour, and, like, Wednesday morning at 2am, a few contractions and everything. I went to work. Thursday, they sort of peed it off, come back in at, like, 6 o'clock Thursday night, and they were... Within 10 minutes of each other the whole night, she didn't get one wink of sleep. I got a little bit. Had to go to Forbes anyway to see the doc on the Friday. Got over there. They checked her cervix or whatever, and it was like, I don't know, one centimetre or something, which is, you know, they say, yeah, it's happening, but it could be who knows how long. Hung around in Forbes for the day. I went, we're going to get a motel because we need to have a shower and a rest. Got to the hospital at like four in the Arvo. Was this the all, next day no, or same, same day? On the day. Friday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so we've gone from Wednesday, like 2 a.m., they sort of started. Rhiannon hadn't slept. I got a bit of sleep Thursday night, Friday. Spent all day in Forbes Friday. Went to the hospital Friday afternoon. And all she wanted to do was get in the bath. Like, I knew that it was happening when we, we were down near the river, like where that you can get coffees and that down at the Lakeside, lake. yeah. Yeah. We're walking up and down the lake. She goes, I just want to hop in that water. And I was like, if she wants to hop in the water, there's something going on. Yeah. Went out it, like, got the hotel This is for the a few girl hours. who'd never get in the yeah, lake exactly. and ski or anything. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> and then we get to the hospital and get to the birth and suite and we run the bath. She hops in the bath, has one contraction, goes, nah, don't want to be in here, don't like it, get out, sort of thing. And then hung around for a few more hours and they checked her and they said, oh, you're at three and a half or four centimetres or whatever, you're not leaving here without a baby. And I was like, yep, we're on, sweet as. Sean and Vicky brought me some Chinese. I was this is yellow. Friday night. Friday eh? night, we're on. And uh, I think we got to like 2.30 in the morning and I said to the midwife, what's going on? Like, She goes, oh, the average woman's first birth is anywhere from 12 to 14 hours. And I was like eight hours in, like active labour. This is not all the stuff beforehand. And uh, I was like, fucking hell, I've still got like eight hours to go. And then... Um, it gets like you hit a brick wall head oh, on, eh? Mate, about 20 times. Yeah. And then it was about 4 a.m. when it started kill. It actually broke her waters. And then um, about 4.30, it kicked into proper labour. And she, like, pushed for about an hour and a half. And that was crazy in itself. And then, yeah, right at the end, and had to get her on the bed and have an episiotomy. And it was like I was holding her legs open while it was all happening. And then <laughs> I was like, fuck it, oh, this is insane. And then when he came out, like, when he finally came out, I just, it just blew my mind that that, like, he was big. That that just came out of where it came from, and then, you know, he wasn't crying or anything. Straight on the chest, and then within fifteen minutes, he's looking for boob, and it was the craziest experience of my life, to be honest. Did you know you were having a boy? Nah, I sort of, like, I thought boy early on, and then for some reason, I just thought there's been so many boys born that I'll definitely be having a girl. So, um, and because he was breached too, so when he came out, he was on his back so the first thing i saw was his head and then he come out and then like and i didn't realize that their ball sacks are so swollen too and i was like it's a boy and his fucking balls are massive <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah and then they just laid him on like did the whole process from there but that's cool not knowing eh? like we didn't know for any of ours and i'm glad nah. we didn't like i can see why people do want to find out but it's a yeah. cool surprise so yeah and then life after that has been fairly different to be honest like it's um it's no one can prepare you for it like and all the parents out there know what it's like i suppose but um, yeah, just the lack of sleep and, you know, the your life just changes instantly. But uh, that's pretty pretty cool. 
Yeah. I don't know if I'll be going for four. Maybe one more. <laughs> oh, yeah, reckon. I know. <laughs> I was always three, but once I had two, that's yeah. it, I can tell you. Yeah, for sure. What, um, what's been the biggest changes? Obviously, you've said it to me that nutrition and stuff hasn't yeah, been as good. Yeah, it's just like I'm just doing what I've got to do at the moment. And um, like as for racing, I say January, we had a really good month. And I did a bit of training before Christmas too, which is was good. And then Rhiannon's always looked after me so well with all my food and everything. And right up until we had Bodie, she was still had it all sorted. But now, obviously, she's flat out. And it's so hard for women. Like, I mean, I'm saying how hard it is for me, but I don't have to get up and pump and have a baby hang off my boobs and push that out in my yeah like like it's it's so hard for the women so obviously i'm sort of fending for myself to a certain degree now my nutrition is nowhere near where it should be and it's all comes down to preparation really but um and then the training as well as like when i knew the racing was still on before all this virus stuff then i was still committed and just doing what i had to do but now that it's finished it's like you know you just it's easy to fall off the bandwagon and just do what I got to do, you know, spend some time with Bodie and go to work. And we've been busy at work and, and, uh, I don't think I've had breakfast since he's been born, especially when I've been working, I just get straight up and go. So, um, and just go straight through the morning tea. Yeah. So it's like the fasting thing. It's not what I want to do. And I don't anywhere, don't eat anywhere near enough at the moment. Cause like Bodie, you know, he wakes up sometime through the night, even though I don't really get up or if I ch- get up, change his nappy and then run and look after him from there. But, I um, and then you know you got interrupted sleep. It's crazy how bad you feel after interrupted sleep, eh? Yeah, and then I just like I'll get up and just get up, get dressed, brush my teeth, go to work, yeah. and then have smoker. So it's just not ideal. Like I used to do that twice a week, in like proper training, but not. I mean, you shouldn't be doing it every day. But um, you know, I just need that kick in the butt to get sorted. Really, and it's more about prepping than anything. So. Yeah. And how, um, obviously, the main goal was to win Fink. Yeah. How did you feel? Like, obviously, 750 got canned straight away. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't long after that Fink got cancelled either. Oh, I got heads up that Fink was going to get canned before they announced it pretty much when 750 was. Yeah. And it was like, it was weird, you know. One sense, I was like, it gives me a shot to be fully ready because I felt... I'd sort of changed my mindset around it, to be honest, because I was like, I know how to ride a dirt bike. I'm fit enough. I'd been doing motos and getting through them pretty well for this time of the year. So I was like, I've just got to make it happen on the day. You know, I don't need to worry about being, you know, made sure I'm doing five sessions a week plus my motor. So I'd got my head around that mentally. But, you know, when it got called, it was like, first the thoughts were thinking, yeah, I can now concentrate on what I've got at home, get my life sorted, I can ease into it, you know, get my routine sorted. And then, you know, things been cancelled, but there's still races at the end of the year that we can you know mid july that can and then races from then on and the the sun razor and that kind of thing but i honestly can't see any racing happening yeah and had us gone like, had us done i, I, don't, I wasn't going to race anyway. hatter anyways yeah. but um yeah i can look yellow mountain I, I can't see it happening mate i just really don't know what they're going to do with laws and all that kind of thing but um i really can't see it Sunraiser will probably get pulled pretty quick just because so much work goes into it. Like. Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of the talk at the moment is if, what are we, six months away and the laws get relaxed a little, yeah. then I think it'd be okay. But, I mean, how do you know? They, 
it's it's hard for the guys running the race. They'll be sinking a lot of money into the pre-stuff, yeah. you know. Like. And then if they do run it, but there's going to be so many people looking for somewhere to ride their dirt bike and some races to do because there's been nothing all year. So Yeah. And it's not even like the Transmoto events, any like there's no nothing, no sport whatsoever. So if by September it does come back in, like I know all the footy seasons will be cancelled, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully it gets supported if it does run and... Um, and then we get to do something for the year. And will you have a gig with Husky straight up? I I think so. Yeah, I honestly haven't had that conversation with anyone at Husky because it's hard to when you don't know what it is. I mean, you know, we were planning on doing the twenty four hour in July down in Adelaide, which is to the end of July, and it could quite possibly go. Who knows? So it's not cancelled yet. Nah, not yet. But I mean, or not that I know of. So twenty four hour. Talk us through that. Oh, you done one before? Nah, nah. It's a like a reliability trial, and we had planned to do it even before all of this was done, just for a different race. And it's um, you know Swartzy who runs our teams from South Australia, and it's just a race that I'd always interested in doing. So it's more it's run like a seven fifty kind of thing, but no maps. It's um, you know special tests, um, and then you know link sections but it's all about making like all your lights have got to work and there's all different rules around if you come to a stop sign you've got to put both feet down and all that kind of stuff so um and then it's run over 24 hours obviously i think it's like you do four laps of a however many kilometer course so. no sleep nah i think you gotta have a half an hour rest through the night or something or a half an hour rest between each i haven't read up on the rules too much but um it's crazy that they can still do that this day and age yeah well i know and then run lights and all that kind of stuff which is something that I've never done. I know when I went to Baja, the only stipulation I had at that time was like, I am not riding at night time. I'll do, I'll ride all day, but I'm not doing the night gig. Um, but yeah, it's something that I'd like to experience and it's something that I want to do, you know, before I retire is do as many ra- different races as possible, I suppose. But, yeah. So there's that. And then there was the 12 hour that they run in Alice. I mean, I don't know whether it's cancelled yet or not, but who knows? It's in August, I'm pretty sure. So there are other races around that we haven't, would, wouldn't normally do that we could substitute with and i know that there'd be a lot of other riders out there that would probably do the same just because they haven't there's no fink or 750 or who knows what's happened with the motocross and all that kind of thing the off-road everything's shut so what potential um impact do you think this will have on the motorbike industry well i don't know like i think condo 750 as far as a race locally um they pulled the pin before it actually cost them too much money i mean if we were another couple of weeks down the track before it all got canned then i think that race would be done just because it's it lives year to year um and it relies on entries for to generate money um so if they had it paid for a lot of the printing and all the maps and everything then i'd say there'd be no money to run um but i mean i really i really don't know what it's going to do to the bike industry um it's there's not a great deal of money in it now as it is, so I can't see it getting a great deal worse as long as it comes. I guess back. the benefit though, like the main sales, would be from farmers, yeah, and farmers probably aren't really affected, maybe. Nah, not so much. But I mean, as far as I don't know, it, I really have no idea on how it would affect the industry, like short term. Because that's going to come back to how much um, they can sink into the race teams and stuff oh, like that. Yeah. And I mean, all of that funding is, was has been getting shortened and shortened as it is, anyways, in the like the current climate. So, I mean, it's probably not a bad thing for race teams like ours because we're 
run on minimal budget and they get maximum exposure i guess you know like we're we're going to think on us on the smallest budget and still you know a really good chance of winning and then we do all the other races around so as far as it affecting me directly i don't think it probably will at all because you know we're obviously minimal outlay for not bad return so um but you'll have to wait and see us. And what's going on with the international rallies? Is that still happening? Everything's done, mate. Like, yep. oh, there is no sport whatsoever. So well, you wouldn't be able to fly anyways. Like. No, nah, well, they've just canned all the international travel, I guess. And I know, um, I don't even know what the impact on Dakar would be because they start to plan it already. Um, and it was something that I actually had behind the scenes plans on. I really wanted to go back. I hadn't put anything in place yet, but I mean, there was. There was the ball sort of started rolling a little bit, I guess. Um, but I just think how'd that, that start? That started with oh, I just had um, a mate that raced it this year, I guess, and called me and said, "What can we do to to get you back there? I really think we need, you know, you have got potential, and it's something that I wanted to do before I retire." Um, and then I just looked at all the options and. Unless I had 120 grand to do it properly, like with a factory bike, motorhome, the whole lot, I think that uh, straight away that just cancelled it out. But then to have that Mali Moto class where you got to work on your own bike, pretty much do it all off your own back, um, and it's like far cheaper. You probably do it for a third of the price, which is more achievable. Um, and I've had a couple of people say to me that they'd love to help out. Um, so I'd sort of thought about it and thought that it would be the ultimate challenge when I was there. 10 years ago now I thought that they're retards dead set retards for doing it on yeah. their own you know working on your so own so you got to race all day and then work on your yeah, bike you, yeah you basically get a like a suitcase to work out of so whatever parts you can fit into that and then you have to do all the work on your own bike change I mean I think you can get your tyres changed basically sleep in a tent on the floor you're on your own for two weeks basically um, and it didn't appeal to me at all but now it sort of does and especially if um you know, if I had someone come and do it with me, someone like Troy who's keen, um, you know, it wouldn't be so bad. But I think it would be the ultimate test too. And it would be the only viable way for me to get back there and, and do the race. So you'd sort of goals would change. You'd obviously want to win your class. And I think if you run top 30, roughly, you'd be able to win your class. And I think with the quality of bikes these days, and, you know, they've changed the rules around your maps basically for half the race get pre-marked for you and everyone's in the same boat so you don't have to waste three or four hours doing your road books every night so it, the actual it being as hard as what it used to be is probably not as hard anymore so I don't know we'll wait and see probably 2021 would be out of the question now I reckon but the following year maybe who knows yep and yeah, are you seeing an end of the racing career or are you no not really I mean now I've got Bodie, it's like, it sort of opened my eyes of how much sacrifice there's going to be and how much hard work because it's like everyone says you didn't know what you did with your spare time until you have a kid, but I didn't have much spare time before he showed up. So, like, being able to train properly, put the time into the race and then put my time into him, like, I think it's fairly selfish if I don't spend the time with him that I need to. So, I mean, it's going to be tricky and, I mean, I'm not going to be saying I'm still racing in five more years, but... I'm losing a year now. That's the only thing I look at it with this virus is like everyone's got to sit out a season, but it's another year older than I am. And I don't know, mate, we'll see what happens, but I think I should have another two years in me at least. Yeah. And how's the graphics business going? 
Uh, I just haven't really been advertising it, to be honest. Um, I've still been doing some, and I do have some jobs there to do, but I just don't have the time to offer a service that people need, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't, I do the local stuff, and whatever comes, whatever people ring, I'll do. But, like, if I was to go and advertise as much as possible and then try and build a business, I just don't have the time to put into it, and I don't want people to be waiting. You know, someone rings me and says, I want this graphics, and I send them a, a proof and they're happy with it and then they don't get it for two or three weeks because I'm too busy it's not really the best way to run yeah, a business yeah 100% so. if people want it they want it though yeah so you I put yourself in belly deep there didn't you I did and it was a good idea at the time I guess and then you know Rhiannon was keen to do it as well but there was more to be learnt than we both thought and looking back on it now I probably wouldn't have done it to be honest but I mean we'll get there I've got you probably um, didn't realise that you'd be this busy with GNS though yeah yeah exactly and then you know just all your other time and then having having babies and all that sort of stuff takes more time away so 100%. but it's still there it still ticks over i mean you're sort of building an asset at some point but yeah we'll wait and see how it goes what else has been happening hey very little way eh? it's just it's such crazy times at the moment it's you just don't know what's going on but it's um just been working really i've been getting a bit of a reality check to be honest like not much riding no training working like makes you look back on like i do have times where i look back on how cool it's been over the last you know 15 20 years racing dirt bikes just doing what i want going on holidays doing everything and now now you got a, someone else to care for like it's your whole world changes eh? but yeah it's um it's pretty cool it's just like the next phase, I guess. Yeah. And like I was only thinking about the other day when you go into something like this, like you don't realise how um, lucky we were with the essential job. No, like, mate. you know, it's kind of sad, aren't you? I still think about it now, just the hours, eh? Like if someone gave you the option to go and work eight hours a day and then walk away from it and not worry about it, and like, except for when you're on call, like I, I knew it was good when I was there. Like we've always said But we didn't long. know it was as good as what it was oh, probably. No, not at all. Not at all. And... I mean, the opportunity I have now with business is cool, but, you know, like, go back to eight hours a day and get your paycheck every fortnight. Happy days. It was good. It was good. It was really good. Yeah, like I said in the last podcast with Toddy, like, it was a blessing. Like, like I got to do 10 years there because I wouldn't put as much, like, heart and soul into my business as I did. Like, same as you, you wouldn't have been able to go work for you, like, with your family and stuff if... Everything happens for a reason too. I was sort of thinking that how they said that to him. It's like this whole virus thing, like, you know, we're having the year off racing and it's probably because it was meant to happen. You know, like, I, was, I mean, it's not good, but it's always well, happens for a reason. So you just got to push through it, eh? And then always if, try and find that with everything is try and look for the reason that it's happening. Like, there's, it's always a lesson to learn. Like, sometimes it's hard to see at the time yeah. or you probably struggle to see it, but you got to get positives out of everything and it's struggle like it's hard to do that and especially in times like this even with it's like me with my fitness right now it's like Rhiannon was up the other day about you know obviously going to training and eating good is not just about racing dirt bikes it's about being healthy which is I mean that's why we do it obviously but I mean I've always had something to work for all my life it's always I'm training because i want to be the fastest dude on the track i want to be as good yeah. as i can your big goal is to win 
think yeah and then when that gets taken away and i've had goals it's kind of like it's not as easy just to get to the gym instead of having a goal that you know you want to like see my goals written there and you know deadlift goal clean goal how many warbles how many toes to bar yeah you know how many sessions so it's easy for me now to keep going to the gym or keep doing my sessions yeah um where when your big goal gets taken away yeah i mean it's hard to stay motivated and it's hard to and find positives out of it all I guess but you need to because I mean I don't I seriously don't train just because I ride dirt bikes I do train because I like to be healthy and all of that sort of stuff but it's hard to find motivation sometimes when you're not doing that or you don't have that goal and like I don't know it, it's, it's like the end of every season you know I have a few weeks off and you're happy with it you eat whatever you feel like you know, your diet gets out of check a bit and then something clicks and it's like, all right, it's time to go. I want to get back into training. I want to get everything sorted. And, and it's just a switch in mentality. But that's what it is about training and being healthy and doing all that. It's, you've got to be... It's a mindset thing. It's, it's like everything. Everything's mindset. But When you're in the hard. swing of it, it's easy, eh? Yeah. But when you're out of the swing, it's hard. Yeah, and you've really got to be dedicated to change it. Otherwise, it's, you know, it's just so easy to go, well, I'm going to get home from work and sit on the lounge. And it's so foreign for me too. Like the last few weeks I get home from work and just literally get home, hang about, play with Bodie, put him to bed or whatever, feed him, do all that sort of stuff and do nothing. And it's just, it does my head in a little bit to be honest, but you sort of got to take the good with the bad as well. 100%. Like if you just wait for that hour to appear to get to the gym, it doesn't appear, eh? You need to like make it happen. Yeah, and that's like me. I, I said to you the other day, it's like I really just need to get up it the normal time and before the gym is shut obviously and just go to the gym because I'm not going to get time to do it in the afternoons anymore and even if I did it's a bit selfish on Rhiannon has to look after him all day and then I get home she's looking forward to getting home so that she can have five minutes to herself and I go to the gym so yeah I'm better off doing it while they're asleep you know and it's it's all a mindset thing I think yeah like when you're talking about mindset too you know like if I know now like I try and take note note of how much sleep i'm getting but not get caught up on it yeah. you know like because yeah. if you think oh i only got six hours i only got seven hours like you are gonna feel like shit but if you can just try and like bang like i made that commitment last night that i'm gonna get up yeah. so i get up and i go do it yeah. like fair enough if like the little fella's up three or four times through the night mm. and you've you know up for a few hours and you go nah it's not it's not on yeah but, but you just I mean, gotta be honest with yourself eh? sleep is super important and to be honest i had a pretty good routine for a lot of years like I was in bed by 9.30 most nights getting solid sleep yeah now up to the gym like I'd get up at 5 I'd be at the gym by 10 past yeah get it done and then at work when, once that gets taken away there's no like I just don't have the time to do it in the other so you've just got to make the commitment but yeah it is a mindset thing you know and I, I don't like even now I'm getting less sleep and I don't I'm not tired through the day it's just that I do what I've got to do and I get home and then I relax it's like if I got up and train and then that would kick me into making sure i eat properly be a bit more prepped like it's just a process so as soon as you drop one of those things out and then it all just goes to shit to a certain point so you gotta like i mean every pit has its place and just getting up an hour earlier and going to the gym is where it would start for me put you on the spot do you notice the difference sort of manic um, mentally physically emotionally in the days that you do train to like the last couple of weeks that you don't 100 like a lot of it is again mindset and realizing that that's why you know if i feel a bit shitty it's like well i haven't been training and normally i train 
five, six days a week and then I'm mowed on and I get all that adrenaline and everything's happening and you get the endorphins that make you feel good and then you don't have that, of course you're not going to feel as good. But, you know, you sort of got to realise that you need to deal with it in a certain way. It's not like, oh, I feel like shit, this is crap, I'm not yeah. training, I'm not eating good, you know. like it's. I, and I've got caught up in that in the past too. Like, you don't feel that well or you like you mentally you're not as good because you're like oh, i haven't trained today and then oh, I had, you know i had three blocks of chocolate like i've eaten nearly a full block of chocolate this week yeah like every night i'll have four squares or whatever and it's like i start looking for it but it's okay because i know that i'm you know next week tomorrow i can start training and i can be disciplined if i want but you sort of got to enjoy it to a certain point but yeah i definitely notice how much better you feel when you do train and you have more energy you get more out of your day and not that I've been off at work, like I've been busy as, but I noticed that when I train in the mornings that I do feel better and you, you, like you're more productive for the day, more mentally better off. Probably anyways. easily um, like blow up that little bit easier and stuff too. Me, yeah, my yeah. temper's a bit shorter than it used to be. Yeah. Um, not that I've blown Any up. Any classic whatever, uh, Jake Smith blow-ups nah, of late? Or? Not at all. They're, they, they're long gone. <laughs> they're long Me gone. too. I used to have the biggest blow-ups at Essential. Yeah, I mean... I do get a little bit, like, cranky, I guess. Everyone gets But cranky. you know mistakes you cost you more money now. Like, you yeah, know, exactly. That's the thing. And I, like, I hate making mistakes, but I just, I just don't like Sometimes that. it's not even you making the mistakes. Nah. It's someone else, you know? Yeah, like, and that's hard to... I just don't like being cranky. Like, you know, the other day we put Bodie to sleep and he'd sleep for, like, 10 minutes, then woke up crying. I was like, why don't you just go to fucking sleep? I just want to rest, you know? Like, and I'm not at home with Renner all day. I've with him for two hours. Yeah. But, you know, you got to you got to look at the positive, eh? 100% healthy, thing. happy. That's it, mate. Right, I will jump through to the questions that I got sent through when I put out the poll on Instagram that you were jumping on. Any stitch-ups? <laughs> no, nah, no stitch-ups, actually. Is the fire still burning to get back to the Dakar start line? We kind of touched on this. Yeah, kind of, yeah, it definitely is. And it's like, for a lot of my career, I kind of felt like I had underachieved. And um, funnily enough, actually, I hardly get on Facebook or anything anymore. And I was on there the other day and a bloke tagged, oh, Max Sullivan that went to Dakar with me, got tagged in a thing from a guy in the US. And it was the, the um, documentary that they did when I went over. And um, I haven't watched it since they released it. And I started watching it this morning. And, you know, you only go in 10 years back. And I was sort of, at the time, I was thinking, oh, yeah, it is my first go, but I'll definitely be coming back. I'm only 20, just turned 22. And, you know, you sort of look at where it could have went and then, you know, have, like, disappointment with my career to a certain point. And then I got to a point in the last sort of year or so that, like, I'm content with my career. I sort of, like, it is what it is. And... I really want to win a Fink and then I could probably retire, but there is that burning desire that I need to go back to Dakar. Just not for anybody else but myself to go there on a good bike and give myself the best chance. Um, but like we said, I think for me to go there and and be a guy that could run a top 10 or a top five, I just don't have the money to make that happen, and especially with all the downturn now. What are you looking at, do you reckon, to be on a bike? 120 grand. Yeah, yeah. That'll get you I'll a good price bike. it up. Yeah. Factory bike, motorhome, good team behind you. Um, you know, and that and that includes Aussie. Yeah, Aussie. So that's your you know flights, your accommodation, rest day, 
all the incidentals in between if you budget it on a one twenty. One twenty grand divided by fourteen days. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's big money. See where the comparison is. I think just I under probably, ten grand a day. <laughs> I could probably get away with like a forty grand um, cost to do it, Malimoto, and then I'm not going there to come fifth or tenth or whatever or win a stage. I'm going there to do the best I can, finish the race and win the class. Um, and then if you win the class, it's like 15 euro or 10,000 euro or something to win it. So you're investing in trying to make something or the, the possibility of making some money back. So Would there be chances to win the Malimoto and then get a gig as a water boy or something oh, maybe? I don't know. I think a lot of the teams try and stack their stack their field with winners kind of now. want some to retire aren't you really yeah and i guess i'm at the age now where i don't know that i really wanted to be doing the the world rally scene like i did back in the day i mean family at home a lot of travel i'd really like to just prepare the best i can for a dakar go yeah. and do it do the best i can and then you know and then be happy with it but in saying that are you ever happy with it like i spoke to rob the other day and he's like when he first got home from Dakar, he's like, yeah, I think I'm done, you know, like I've, I've done well and you know, I've got away with, you know, no injuries and I've finished the race. And then I spoke to him like last week and he's like, well, I think I, w- I want to go back, have another go, you know, like it, the, the desire never, never goes anywhere, I guess. But I just need to be content with if I did make it happen, I need to go all in, do the best I can and then be happy with whatever that outcome is, whether yeah. I finish the race or I don't or whatever. Um, then I just need to make make sure that I'm happy with that. And, you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, mate. I'll just go and do the best I can to win a fink. And if I can get that, tick that box, then it's happy days. Yeah. What's been the main motivation for your career? Um, winning, I guess. It's, it's, I don't know, it's funny because when I was little, like I didn't win hardly ever because I had to race Toby all my life pretty much, but... Um, and especially him growing up in Hillston, he was here at nearly every club day and all that kind of thing. But I mean, I just remember love riding my dirt bike and it wasn't always about winning and Todd was always the one that was like really good and, you know, won a lot. So um, when I did start to show potential and I did start winning, then it was just all about winning. And once you get that winning feeling and, and getting that like week in, week out or winning a championship or winning, it's like the biggest addictive thing you can have so i mean it's it's about doing the best you can i guess but it's yeah it's about being the best i suppose and that's what motivates me is to is to win um you know like there's no better feeling and for going to think and races like that if i was happy to in the position i am like i mean don't get me wrong there's like it's not about winning for everybody but for me that's what motivates me and to do the best i can like if i was going to the gym at five in the morning to bust my ass to go if i go to think and run fifth i'd be happy then i'm done i just retired there's no point in that for me and it's like with todd he he was the same it's like that's an athlete mindset though isn't yeah, it? yeah i mean he like he retired on a seventh had a broken leg or whatever and he's when i'm done i just can't i can't compete to win i'm not fast enough to win or i can't put the time in to win anymore so that's it i'm finished so for me it'd be the same is if i wasn't in the hunt or in the fight to win and have the chance to win then that's when i take a step back and just do it for fun so. yeah 
There's no doubt you got it. We touched on it in the first podcast. We did your box jumping incident when oh, you skin yeah. your shin, and I flipped the box down and was like, nah, no more box jumping. You flipped the box back up and said, only pussies quit. Yeah, yeah that's right. Even yeah. the boys in the gym, you know, like say for an instance like this where there's been a few weeks or it's probably been like how many sessions you've done in the last month? Oh, maybe three. Yeah, so three sessions. Say so if you come and, not that we can, jumped in the gym in a session tomorrow and you and Caleb and Nathan were on the bikes together. Yeah. It just blows them away that they could barely miss a session in the last four weeks and you just like, something clicks and it's like, right, toe to toe, let's go. Well, that's the burning desire to win and I like to yeah. do it in the gym too. Like, it's fun. Like, I'm pumped for the boys in the gym that are making big gains. Like, Nate's done amazingly well. Caleb's made big progress. And it's good for me too because, like, I know that when we get on a bike or when we're doing something like that, then I've got to go flat out to win. But I still like to do it. Yeah. Like, if you want to go toe to toe on an air bike, let's go and do it right now. I'll have a crack, and I'll yeah. go till I'm done. And that's, I mean, that's the mindset. And you're done too. compared to someone else's done is just like a different level, you know. Yeah, but that's the thing though. Like, I mean, those boys can, or anybody can push the limit harder than what they're doing. It's just the mindset around it, you know. Like, it's you're. Your mind will give up before your body can. Yeah, there's yeah. like, I can't remember the David Goggins thing, but it's some percentage. Like, most people quit at like, they still got 60% left or something, you know, yeah. like crazy. It was like the other day when we did that test with the, um, it was on the rower. 2K row. Yeah, and I was like, what's the time I got to beat? Tell me, and I'll beat it. And gave me the time. I was like, the boys have done it before me, but I was cooked. Was it I was 2K cooked for the record of the second. I don't know. 2Ks, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but I was going as hard as I could to win that. I didn't yeah. care what happened for the rest of the session. I was winning that race. <laughs> <laughs> so it is, I mean, yeah, it's good. What's your career highlight? Um, career highlight. The first one that comes to mind was my junior national championship, purely because it was like a, you know, I was 14 when I won that. And I was three and a half and I started. So it was like an 11 year build up to something that I dreamt about for so long. And, you know, all through my junior career, it was all about like, if I could win a national championship, then my life is complete. And I worked so hard to get there from like my parents struggling to being on secondhand bikes to going up against kids that like were super talented or their, you know, their parents could afford good stuff that, the day that I crossed that finish line, I've had no feeling like it since, even though you know, I've had some good results since then, like won some safaris and all that kind of thing. They were pretty cool. But the feeling that I had when I crossed that finish line, when I won that national title, it was just like nothing else mattered. And, you know, to this day, it was like my, you know, greatest feeling I've ever had riding a dirt bike. And then to top it off from there, I signed a deal for the dream team basically as a kid. So... It was just like someone could shoot me down now, I'm done. And did you ever notice the like look on your parents' face and that when you won it? Like, oh, yeah, would have been I remember pumped. mum. She was like, she was crying, dad like was crying. Like the sacrifices, was, the yeah. hard work, you know. And it was like, you know, it was just, it just paid off, you know, and I always wanted to win and then finally got to that point and won. But in saying that, from then on, the following year was probably one of the hardest years of my life because. I'd gone from being somebody that no one thought, well, not being a guy that was a winner to being a national champ and then being expected to win and been getting phone calls to ring from the manager say, you have to win. It was it was a big learning curve, but I mean, I'd say that would probably be the highlight. And then um, 
you know, obviously a Dakar, I got to finish it. Not that it went to plan, but it was um, it was pretty surreal to be able to hop on a plane, fly to the other side of the world, do the most craziest race. And a lot of guys have done alone it Alone too, I. Yeah, did it alone, did it young. I mean, that's one of the things about me wanting to go back now is I just... 10 years down the track you got so much more knowledge you got, you got so the much... option to go back a second time hey you and todd flipped a coin to see who'd go yeah yeah well and and another like with the ghr so when todd went for his ride with ghr um like the original plan was for me to go back again so i'd been done it all they built this new bike was meant to be better it was two years later i had two years more experience but then finance obviously was the most the, the hardest part so there was that um you could win a free entry if you were eligible which todd was because he hadn't raced a dakar and hadn't been overseas or whatever you had to do and all things being equal he would have won that easily but day one of the safari and his bike shits itself so he didn't finish the race i mean he finished the race but not in the position he needed to to get it so he didn't get the free entry anyway so kind of backfired but um, who what was what's entry worth 20 oh, like, I don't know, it depends 25 30 grand yeah which is like i mean i get it but the logical thing to do from a team point of view no disrespect to anybody it was i'd been there had the experience going with the same team the same guys you know all the stuff that todd had to learn on the run i already knew I mean, they had issues. In saying that, though, that. Todd got a lot of heads up from you. That yeah, he did. But I mean, it's you not, went blind as a bat. Is what it is. Yeah. But you know, so I didn't get the chance to go back. And then when that opportunity popped up, and then we flipped the coin for it, and that's the way I look at it now. Is there was a reason why I didn't win yeah. that toss? So I mean, it is what it is. I might get my chance later. Who knows? Yeah. Worst injury. Oh man, I've had a few. I would say. The one that comes to mind the most would be broke my leg, ribs. I can't remember how many ribs and a collarbone in one hit. Uh, I went and raced the motocross. So this is when I was doing the off-road scene, but I went and raced the motocross. It was a state round just for some training at Lithgow and crashed in the last moto and, yeah, like broke my leg really bad. Like it was, if I was laying flat on the bed, my foot was like 90 degrees. Um, and they were pretty worried like I was coughing up blood heaps I don't know I don't know if I punctured lung or not but I ended up getting chopped out and like it was when I got to the hospital was the craziest part because they gave me this drug to straighten my leg that like made you have nightmares or something I don't know but I remember the doctor saying to me just think good thoughts as they were putting this stuff into my arm and then I sort of like I dreamt that I died like it was because like I was seeing this light and everything like it was the operating light when they were straightening my leg so I thought I died and then when I woke up I woke up in a CT machine because they thought I had internal bleeding or whatever and then I was that drugged out that I couldn't speak so I thought fuck I'm awake but I can't talk like I'm a vegetable it was like the craziest 24 hours of my life <laughs> and then uh, obviously I had surgery to my leg and they put a rod and stuff on my leg and they left my collarbone as is and then turns out i end up racing like six weeks later but that would probably be the worst single injury but the worst injury that i've had for recovery would be my shoulder rico it was tough like six months and then get back into the rehab and all the work and just the time it takes to get back to normal was that would be the hardest recovery i reckon yeah 
Who was better, you or Todd? <laughs> I don't know. If you go, off, I don't know. If you go off score, I guess. Depends. <laughs> I don't like to say I'm better than him, but. Um, this is an ego question, eh? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, if, you, if you want to go to scores, I've won two safaris. He's won one. I don't know how many condo 750s he won. Maybe one, I think. I think I've got five. Uh, he's got a heap of yellow mountain winds, but that was when it first started, and like he was, there was no one to race him, so you can't really count them. That Fink one, but the Fink wins the one, yeah, hundred percent. So it'd be fifty-fifty. I won a junior national; he never won one, but he won a heap of state titles, only won one. So it's like a fifty-fifty. Best bike you've ever ridden? I'll skim over it so you haven't got answer. (laughs) Nah, I've got two bikes, and it was the one I won my junior national on. Um, It was. 2003 but KDM brings out their bikes like in August so you can get a 2004 model in 2003 basically so that bike came out and spent some time like it was when I was just learning how to set up suspension and working with Ian Whiteman at Promoto we um yeah we got that thing working awesome and the bike was just it was like I could do what I wanted on it I mean looking back on it now it was like wherever I felt I wanted to put that bike on the track, I could do it. And then the next one that I think of, as far as motocross goes, was my 2005 Yamaha 250F. That thing was a rocket ship and it handled so good. Um, yeah, it was. I just felt like I could put that bike wherever I want. And then my favourite safari bike going back, I guess, like to the old safaris, not Sunraysia, would be, I think, the 2012 bike that um, JHR bike. Yeah, that thing was pretty good. So I've had a few favourites over the years, but... Best high school story? Oh, man. Jeez, I've got a few. (laughs) High school story. I mean, oh... So I had... Like, it was my last year in... At school. I went and seen the school before the season started. I was like, this is my chance to make the big time, you know, to be a professional racer. Um, I had... I did, like... I had like 10 free periods of fortnight or whatever. And then I broke my wrist at the start of the season, kept racing, broke it again. Then my knees were no good, so I ended up with knee surgery. And then I had the rest of the year off. So um, I pretty much did nothing for all of my year 12 and loved every second of it. But, oh, mate, I think of heaps. Brenny Riley comes to mind badly because <laughs> he done nothing but hound me. Like, I had one book for all the year 12 because we used, they used to have bag wars and I found my bag down the ag plot one day full of water and, and dirt like so it was full mud and everything was gone in it. So I just threw it away. I had one book for every single class I did. Um, what sort of effort would you say you put into year 12? Zero. Like 5%. Cause <laughs> did you, what are like HSC? Did you do that? HS, yeah, I did the HSC but I didn't get a, like a ATAR or whatever you get to go to uni. Um, I reckon I wrote one of the maddest stories in my English thing. I just wrote some big bullshit story. Um, but, yeah, I didn't put much into it. What other stories from high school, man? It was like the teasing was really bad. I don't think kids these days would put up with the teasing that goes on, and they, nor they should they, especially if they went to school with a Brenny Riley. Oh, yeah. He was relentless. Passing the weeds, like, that was when Breno thought he was cool when he first started smoking ciggies. So we'd leave school during the day. He'd go down and see his mum and say, Mum, I need 10 bucks for, to get lunch. He'd go straight around a raise and buy a pack of darts. And then past, like, the principal was leaving school one day and we are in his car giving him a wave. He used to go out the lake, smoke darts, <laughs> while I'd throw rocks around. Yeah. 
You go to Macca's, what's your order? Oh, mate, large Big Mac meal. <laughs> 100% every single time. It's like, you know, you go to Macca's or you go to any of your fast food stores and you got your favourites and it's like, oh, I want to differ away from what my favourite is. It's like, you know, you go, say you go to KFC and you get a, a like a Twister combo, that's what you got to get because the Twister's the best thing on the menu. But you think, oh, today I'm going to mix it up and get a fillet burger or something you're so disappointed you get disappointed you yeah you stick it's to the like original Macs, mate. you got a, a large big mac meal you can't go wrong the first thing i did when Bodie was born is we spent all day <laughs> and i was like oh, i'm starving hungry rhiannon's asleep i went straight to macca's got a large big mac <laughs> meal and an oreo mcflurry and it was the best feed i've had all year <laughs> toughest mental battle um when's the time you felt like giving up oh i i, I felt like giving up at dakar a couple of times it was legit, like, just all the shit that went down with my bike and, like, I found myself a couple of times going, what am I even doing here? Like, so I had, like, five days in a row where something went wrong with my bike and I was starting back in, like, the 80s and the 100s and I'd pass, like, 50 bikes and then something would go wrong and they'd go back past and then pass again and made it to the rest day and I was deflated, man. It was just like, I just want to go home, you know, and then... Um, the first day after the rest day, I went like five k's in and split a rear fuel tank and then had to ride like 50% so the fuel wasn't flashing all over the um, the air filter and like fouling the bike up. And it was like the further I got into this, like we're in the Atacama Desert, there's not one tree out there. And I remember getting in and the further into the stage I went, the further away from anybody else I got. and. I got like 200 k's in and I was just like, I am just absolutely fried. I don't want to go any further. But I was too scared to stop because I was like, if I stop here, there's there's nothing out here and I could be here for days. So, um, yeah, mentally that one would have been like, like, and you just get so tired and buggered and it's just the ultimate test. There was times there where I was, I was physically done, mate. I just did not want to be there. But I guess that's where some resilience comes in and, I get it in workouts sometimes, you know, you think you're at that point, you're like, I just want to, you know, stop. It's kind of like, I I guess, you know, when you're doing a workout and you walk into the gym and it's like, we're going to do 200 burpees and we're doing 200 chins and we're doing 200 of this and it's a big number and you look at it and you start working through it and you get to 25, even if you're working with partners and you're trashed and you're just like, I just can't go any further. Yeah. It's kind of like that. You're good at breaking it down, though, aren't you? Like, let's just well, you get a 50. Yeah, you go 50, like, 60, That's how you 70. think in a rally, eh? Like, let's just get to this point. Yeah, and it was what I had to do at that Dakar. I was like, well, I've got no choice, but the easiest way to get out of here is ride it out. So, you know, you've got to go that extra 50. You know, I'll go another 50 Ks, and I've only got 300 to go. That was the thing about the Dakar. Was the one I did, there were big stages, so... It wasn't like you only had to go another 100 k's and you were back to civilization. It was like 500, 600 k's to the end of the stage and then you still had to ride 200 to get back to your team. But, I mean, I've had some times that thing too where I'm just like mentally like in so much pain and trying to go as fast as possible and, and you just, you don't give up. But I, I have been at points where I'm definitely not going as fast as I can because I'm just physically done. Yeah. You know, like it's... Yeah, it's crazy. It's hard to explain when you, you haven't experienced it, I guess. But, yeah, it's it's next level. No pain like an air bike would give you anyways, oh, eh? Mate, but it's like that, but 
you know, you, the thing about being in a gym, you're not going to get injured though. That's the difference, I guess. Yeah, but you're on an air bike, and if you're done, you just hop off and walk away. Yeah, that's right. right. So that's the thing about in a gym where you can just go as hard as possible because you know that I've only got thirty seconds of this left, and then I just get off and I can be under the aircon or whatever. The thing about riding rally or anything like that is you're in the middle of nowhere and you've got no choice but you could be five hours left before you get to see anybody and if you're done then then you've really got to be like have a good hard talk to yourself to get out of there because you've got no choice unless you want to give up and be known as a quitter and hop in the in the chopper and what was your old man thing what did he say to you as a young fella oh like he said to me if i ever have to if they ever stop a race for you and you're not injured I will make you injured pretty much. Like, I will <laughs> smack your ass down. And it was to the point where, like, I crashed in Orange once, broke my wrist, and I was that scared that I was going to stop the race. I just got up and ran off the side of the track. And they thought everything was fine. I was like, no, I've got a broken wrist. No, mate's like, no, you don't. You just got up and walked off. I was like, man, I do. Have a look at it if you want. Like, showed him my wrist. Yep, you're broken off in the meat wagon. But it was like, he was, I mean, he was hard, but he was. that was true, you know? Like, if, if you crash and lay there and there's nothing wrong with you, then... I'll smack your ass when you get back. There's a lot of good motorbike riders, though, that just don't have the mindset, yeah? Oh, there's a lot of good athletes everywhere around the world that don't have the mindset. You see it everywhere in NRL, don't you? Definitely. We touched on it kind of like your proudest moment um, on the bike, proudest personal moment. Oh, it's, it's the most common, oh, I mean, not the, like the most recent one for me was seeing Bodie being born. Yeah. was like, it is next level, man. Like, just the... The whole process and to watch something that big come out of something that little like just the whole it, it blew my mind mate and you know it's like everyone says it's just like instant love eh? you send your scene come out and know that you created it and then the journey we went through to get it too like it wasn't straightforward so yeah um yeah i guess that would be the that most kind of leads into the next question what age will the young fella be on a bike I always said that I will not push motorbikes on the Bodie because, one, because it costs a fortune and just, like, you know, I, I just know what I've been through. But, like I was just telling you before, he's, like, seven weeks old and he's crying and sucking around and I make moto noises and he goes quiet straight away every <laughs> single time so far. So, And then, you know, obviously Ted just got a new moto and that'll probably get passed down for sure, so... When he's ready, Rian always like, he's not getting on a motorbike. You're not pushing him on, man. And I was like, well, I won't push him, but if he's going, hey, Dad, let's go for a ride, I'll be saying, all right, chef, let's, <laughs> let's <go."> roll. <laughs> but, I mean, who knows? Like, I was riding a bike when I was three years old, and I look at him now and go, there's no way I'm letting my kid get on a bike at three years old. But yeah. if that's what he wants to do, then that's what we do. If he wants to go and play golf or kick a footy or play with Barbie dolls, I guess, then we'll just do what he wants to do. 100. Last two. What does 14 days of quarantine look like for Jake Smith? <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. Bodie will have a brother or sister. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we're only seven weeks in, mate. That ain't happening yet. Um, I guess, well, Rhiannon said to me the other day, better go and get some paint because this stuff needs painting. Um, I do have some stickers I need to do. There'll probably more than likely be new LTF signage ready to go when you're done around the front of your, around the front of your shop. But I, I'd, like, I'd never... Like, midway through a season, I'll get to a point where I think I really want to just have the weekend on the lounge. And I'll lay on the lounge for two hours and I'm, like, doing my head in going, I'm wasting my weekend. So, like, if we had to go to legit lockdown where all you can do is go to the supermarket and back and then be within your own... I said to Dad the other day, I need to go and get 
200 litres of fuel and take I'll take his caravan, he can stay at home and I'll go out the block where I can just ride every day, cook camp ovens and kick back, do some fishing. That yeah. would be the ultimate. But no, nah, mate, I'll just, I don't know, maybe lawns every day or something, I don't know. The last one's pretty similar. If we go into lockdown tomorrow for two weeks, what's an essential daily routine you'll implement and what is one positive you'll come out of it with? Um, I would say if we went into proper lockdown that I'll be downloading Zoom 100% <laughs> and we'll be doing the fitness. But, no, nah, it's just being active, I reckon. Um, and then one positive to come out of that. Jeez, I don't know. I guess I'll be fitter than when I come in. I You'd mean, be refreshed though. That'd be probably awkward. You can suck. You'd beat up big, big hours you've been punching out for the last. Yeah, I reckon, like mentally, because, like if I if I go and have a day off now, or I go and you know, obviously I've had a few weeks off training and all that sort of thing. Like I can easily beat myself up mentally to go. Well, I haven't done the work, or you know, you you're missing this, or you've got that to do. But if everyone's in fourteen day lockdown, it's essentially a fourteen days where nothing else matters other than just hanging out with your wife and son and doing whatever jobs you can and just getting by you're just going back to basics in it so you're just surviving I, I might go and get some wood and i'll cook up some ad feeds out the back and do some training and just be relaxed i reckon so 14 days in i'd be fairly refreshed and ready to get back into the daily grind i suppose but well i'm facing up for six months of lockdown so <laughs> Oh, bro, you're going to be like cut as, eh? Six months in, you'll have a pack, you'll be right to go. Uh, will if I don't go to the shop and get any junk food in the end. It's so hard, eh? I went past the junk food aisle the other day and I got two boxes of chocolate and a pack of lollies and I was like, went home and I went, I'm just going to ration this for the week. I reckon that might have been Monday or Tuesday. I've done the block of chocolate and the lollies were gone I'd the first day. I'd be done day. in two days if they were in my house, no doubt. Yeah. They wouldn't last two days. No. I've got no willpower, that's why I don't have it. But anyway, we'll wait and see with this 14-day thing. I don't know. Surely, like... I think it might be longer than 14 days, too. Yeah, but, like, if... You know what they should do, right? This is a hypothetical. I know you've got all the hypotheticals. Let's just shut condo down completely other than the truck that's bringing in the food and the shit paper. So no (laughs) one can go anywhere. So within seven days, no one's showing any signs of the virus. Everyone can go back to normal. We can have house parties. Maybe we can go ride. We can go do what we want. Everyone can interact as they want. Well, we wouldn't because the virus isn't coming in, and it's not going to come out. We have to shut down, would we? Nah. Someone's no one's coming in. If yeah. you're not in condo, happy days. Well, I mean, you could. Everyone can still hang out. We can go and play golf. We can drink beers. We can train together. You could open the Jake gym. Smith or PM. <laughs> <laughs> shut down our town mate and then everyone's happy days you don't have to be worried everyone doesn't have to be worried about going to see each other or bumping into each other down the server the only thing you'd have to worry about is old mate bringing the groceries in but i'm pretty sure there'd be about put a mask people, on here mate 100 people lined up with a spray to spray old mate down, <laughs> and then it'd be good to go but yeah uh, you running for council next round hell no hell no <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Thanks for jumping on. No worries. Thanks for having me. Till next time. Later. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. I'm sick of us not doing this right. That's why I think I'm cutting you from my life. No more. Wasted energy spending the pace for every hour of waste. I need an escape to center me. And I don't mean to make a rush for the door. But time's a currency. I'm currently poor. I'll be leaving it soon. I don't mean to be rude.